0: Good evening to everybody. How are we doing this evening? Good. good. How was your 4th of July week? Was it good? You guys enjoy some fireworks or some hot dogs or some... Anybody set any fires inadvertently? Anybody? Okay. If you, if you did, you're not going to raise your hand. That's good. Hey, it's good to see you all tonight. If, uh, if I've not met you before, my name is Matt. And I have the, uh, the privilege of being the pastor here at The Link. And uh, I just want to echo what Bobby said and say, if you're a guest with us this evening, it's an honor to have you. Um, I, just, I just feel like I should say this, this. The Link is a special place. It's just a special place. And uh, if you're new around here, you're maybe kind of getting a little bit of a feel for that. And again, this is not because of people. It's because of Jesus through us that this is a special place. So just want to say to you, if you're new around, it's an honor to have you and I uh, hope you find a home here. There's a lot of great people in this place. So, Well, guys, tonight we have a very special guest with us. I have a good friend of mine with me this evening, and he actually brought his family with him. Um, Joey Berrios and I have known each other for, we were trying to figure it out earlier, maybe 12 or 13 years. We'll go with 13 because that's one of those numbers that people try to avoid. Um, we'll go with 13. We've known each other for a long time, since our high school days. And uh, to think that I was in high school 12 or 13 years ago is kind of a scary thought. I will turn 30 here in about three weeks. So be praying for me as I adjust to the reality of 30. I don't even know what it's going to feel like, so we'll see what happens. But Joe and I have known each other for a long time, and uh, he has been traveling around uh, in all kinds of places. was in Louisville just last weekend, I believe, ministering. He travels as an evangelist, and uh, just a really, really special guy. Again, he brought his family with him, uh, Katie in the back, and then the 19-month-old Julianne back there. She's a cutie, and uh, it's just an honor to have them with us tonight. And uh, it's just an honor to be able to do ministry alongside a good friend. So uh, without any further ado, I know you guys will be blessed by this guy, but we welcome my friend Joey Berrios to the stage?
1: What's up, gangsters? It is good to see you guys tonight in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Will you turn to your neighbor and say, you look muy caliente, Muy caliente. And if you don't know what that means, if you're a non-Hispanic speaker, that means you look very hot. And if you're single, you might get that going, exchange some information, uh, and that'll be great. Uh, it's great to be with you. Um, you know, and before we jump into the Word tonight, uh, I just want to say a few words about uh, your young adult pastor, Pastor Matt. You know, we go way back, and he wouldn't want me, I know Matt, and he wouldn't want me to patronize him. Uh, But I do want to say some things that are a little bit on my heart tonight. Um, You know, I could talk about his creative skills or his leadership skills or how good of a pastor he is. All these things. Uh, But one thing I can say about Matt is that he is a man of integrity. He's a man of God. And, you know, the Apostle Paul said this in the New Testament. And it was a really strong statement. I, I think a lot of us maybe couldn't make this statement. But the Apostle Paul said, follow me. As I follow Christ. And that is a very strong statement to say to people, why don't you just do what I do, follow my example, and you'll be just like Jesus. And a lot of us may be in this place, even myself sometimes, I'm not sure, man, am I that great of an example? But I can say this, your young adult pastor is a man of God, and you really can follow him as he follows Christ. And you can pattern your life and follow after him, and you can become more like Jesus. Can I get an amen, somebody? Could you give it up for Matt, please? Thank you very much. Tonight's going to be a fun night, and I just want to Uh, Be sensitive for just one moment. I want to do one more thing before we jump to the Word. I so appreciate worship. Worship uh, was amazing tonight, and I just had so much fun. And as I was worshiping, I just felt something strong in my heart that I need to say. And so we're just going to kind of get hot and heavy, if that's okay. And I just kind of sense you guys are more of a mature crowd. I think we have people in here, the majority of you guys have maybe been around church for a long time. And so tonight, we're just going to jump into it and get into it tonight. Is that okay tonight? Is it okay if we go deep right off the bat? Um, So anyways, as I was praying during worship, I just felt this in my heart. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit whispered to my heart that there's people here that are terrified about the future. And I don't know if that's you tonight, maybe you just graduated from college and the job market isn't good and you're wondering, man, I don't have a job, what am I going to do? Maybe you're worrying about a significant other, you know, how is uh, marriage going to work out? Maybe you're worried about something in the future. And I just kind of have a word for you that God is going to take care of you, God is going to help you. And if you've just been in a season of your life right now where you've been scared, where you've been afraid of the future and what's gonna happen, God has a plan for you. And I just wanna pray for you. I'm not gonna have you raise your hand or identify you or anything like that, but can we just pray just one more time? And if that's you, just pray with me. Lord, I just pray for every single person that's struggling with fear of the future, that's struggling, Lord God, with what to do, Lord God, in the future. Maybe they have some significant decisions to make about relationships, significant choices to make about career and occupation. God, I pray that you'll move in their situation right now by your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you'll give them direction. I pray that you'll give them wisdom. I pray that you'll give them understanding and give them the peace of God that passes all understanding. Lord, your word says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And we thank you for that hope. We thank you for that future, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tonight, the title of my message is I'm Coming Over. I'm Coming Over. You turn to your neighbor and say, I'm coming over. And again, if you're single, you know you might get that going. Um, tonight I'm titling this I'm Coming Over. Has anybody ever had an unexpected visitor before? Uh, maybe you're just sitting at home. If it's me, I'm watching Sports Center. I don't know. Maybe for you, Grey's Anatomy or something. You're sitting at home watching your favorite TV show, and all of a sudden you get a call, and it's like, hey, I'm in town. Can I come over? And it's this awkward person that you hate. And maybe we shouldn't hate. We're Christians. You really dislike. They're really irritating. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that would be great. Just come on over. And you get off the phone, and you're like, dang it. You know, And you run through your apartment and clean it up and they get there and they eat your food. And they use your bathroom and just have awkward conversation. And then after an hour, you come up with some kind of lame excuse like, you know, uh, I've got to go work out. Uh, so you're going to have to leave. Or I have to do the dishes. Uh, sorry. And they're like, what? Yeah, and then you feel guilty because, you know, they know that you were lying and you got them out of your place. You know, we most of us don't like awkward unexpected visitors. We don't like it when people show up unannounced, eat our food, hang out with us, and we have to go through the motions with them and have some kind of an awkward conversation. You know, ironically, Jesus never does that to us. He never shows up unannounced. You know, and the thing is, he's the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. He could pretty much do whatever he wanted to. If he wanted a big family of robots, he could make us all robots and make us live for him and love him and do whatever we wanted. Anytime he wanted to come into our heart, he could, but he gives us free will. He gives us choice, and he doesn't just come in barging in like the SWAT team, you know, and say, I'm going to be here. He's a gentleman. You you have to invite him into your heart. Now, if you guys could put that verse up, and this is kind of going to be our key scripture tonight, and I want you to think about this. The Book of Revelation says this: uh, Revelation three twenty. All right, it says, "See, I stand at the door and knock." If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and we will eat together. And that eat together, it's talking about a relationship. You know, this is saying, Jesus is saying, I'm not just going to come over unannounced like the SWAT team. I'm not going to make you do and obey and do all these things. I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to lead you and guide you. But you're going to have to invite me in. You know, Whenever I was growing up and we had an unexpected guest or some uncle or something come over, my mom would say we'd have to clean up. So I would just run through my house and maybe like stuff everything in like one room or closet. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? And if they opened it, it would be like an avalanche and you'd have to take them to the ER because so much stuff just comes out. And, um, you know, a lot of us, I would say in this room, maybe some of us, we've never allow Jesus to come into our hearts maybe. Maybe some of us in this room, maybe we're new to church and Jesus and God and we're trying to figure this whole thing out and we've never opened the door and let Jesus in our hearts. But I'd say probably the majority of us, we know about church. We know about worship. We know the things we should say and the things that we do. But you know, maybe there's an area or two in our hearts that we haven't let Jesus into. Maybe there's one room in our apartment or house or whatever you want to think of where we don't want it, want them to open. It's just like we have the friend over and they're like, oh, can I have a tour of your, your place? And you're like, yeah, you know, here's the kitchen, here's the living room, and, you know, here's my bedroom. You know, if you're going to have an apartment, that's about it. But then there's a closet there and they're like, what's behind there? And you know, that's where you stuffed everything. You're like, no, oh, that's nothing. You know, that's just, you know, that's where, that's our laundry room. You don't need to worry about that. Come on. You know, and a lot of times we do that with Jesus. We may allow him into certain areas of our lives, but there's other areas of our life that we don't allow him into. And maybe for some of us in this room, it's been weeks that Jesus has been working on your heart and trying to talk to you. Maybe it's about your media or maybe it's a romantic relationship or maybe it's the debt or financial debt in your life or it's some area or decision that you know the Lord wants you to do something about and he wants you to change it. But we sit back and we're like, oh, Jesus, that's nothing. That's just, you know, that's just my laundry basket in there. You don't need to see that. And we hold those things back. You know, and there's various reasons why we hold things back. And that's kind of going to be the basis. We're going to talk about things tonight um, that some reasons why we hold back certain areas in our lives. You know, when I was a kid, though, I loved G.I. Joe's. Anybody grew up in the 80s, 80s or 90s, 90s? Okay, you know, I love Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, can I get an amen? Alf. I don't know if you know who Alf is. Uh, it was awesome. Uh, Twister. Kelly Kapowski. Uh, this is what I grew up on. Uh, and so as a kid, I, I played with these figurines called G.I. Joes. Any bros in the house that played with G.I. Joes. And so my f- neighborhood friends would come over and we'd be like bazooka each other and all this stuff. And uh, it was awesome. But I remember one day, one of my friends grabbed my G.I. Joe out of my hand, and like we literally like had a fight. I pushed him and grabbed it out of his hand. I was like, that is mine. What are you doing? That is my G.I. Joe. You know, a lot of times though, in our walk with the Lord, with Jesus, Jesus touches our hearts about things. Maybe it's our media. Maybe it's uh, the financial debt, credit card debt. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's some kind of unforgiveness or grudge that we have somebody else. That Jesus says, you know, I need to take that from you. You need to let me have that because that's hurting your life. And you're like, no, that's mine. You know, just like a little kid, just like me. No, that's mine. You know, that's where I get my happiness. That relationship is where I get my purpose. That's where I get my status. I'm holding on to that. So you can have these other areas, but this area is mine. Um, So tonight we're going to talk, we're going to look at three stories that I think that will be familiar to you once we jump into them um, that will show us some reasons why we hold on to things in our lives that God is asking us to surrender. And I want to say one more thing. I know I've had five intros so far. Um, You know, whenever God asks us to give something up, and I want to get this very clear right off the bat, God has the best thing for you. God has the best husband or wife for you. God has the best career for you. He has the best finances for you. He has the best family for you. He has the best calling for you. He has the absolute best. And so when he asks us to give up things that are hurting us, he's not doing it to take from you. He's not taking it so your life will be lame, so your life won't be what you want it to be. He wants to take that to make your life better. And many times we don't understand that and we think, you just want to take this from me, but God always has a better plan. So I want to preface all of this message tonight with that, that God has something better for you. Can I get an amen tonight? God has a plan, a purpose, a dream, a goal and destiny for your life that's better than anything you could ever imagine tonight. So tonight we're going to jump into this. You know, the first reason I believe why we have a hard time surrendering certain areas of our lives is that we're just simply afraid. You know, there was a young man, true story, a young man who was uh, in his 20s, he was a young professional, you know, had an apartment loft, had designer furniture, drove a Mercedes Benz brand new, had every single thing that maybe we as young adults would say, you know, he's at the epitome of life. You know, he could date anybody that he wanted to, he had all the friends, he had all the parties, all the resources to alcohol or whatever he wanted to to throw crazy parties, and this guy, he had it made. Um, And one day he goes to the mall and he's going to go buy some clothes or something. And he runs in to a guy who's talking about some things that he hadn't really ever heard of. And this guy is talking about spiritual things, about the kingdom of God, and what it means to be a follower of God and and something about it. He, He hears this and just thinks, man, I need that. What he's talking about, you know, I have everything, but he's talking about some things that I need. And so he walks up to the guy and just, and just asks him, what, what do I need to do to have this joy and this peace and this relationship with God that you're talking about? And we're going to pick this up if you have your Bible or your glowing iPod or iPad or whatever. If you'll turn to Matthew 19, verse 16, the story is in the Bible. Matthew 19, verse 16 A lot of guys, a lot of scholars call this the rich young ruler, but I wanted to put it maybe in a perspective we could better understand. Uh, Matthew 19, verse 16, it says this. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Uh, Jesus said, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you want to have inner life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, All these I have kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? And I want to just hang out there in that verse. I think a lot of us could relate to that. Um, and I just want to say this. A lot of us kind of judge the rich young ruler and think, "What you know, that was so lame. Why didn't he follow God and why wouldn't he give it up and all this stuff? But a lot of us are in the same boat. And, and Jesus is kind of saying all the things that he needs to do. And the young man is, kind of responds like a lot of us. Well, yeah, I go to church. You know, I'm a decent Christian. I give my tithes from time to time. You know, I have Christian friends. I do the things that I'm kind of supposed to do. And then Jesus said one more thing. He said, "Uh, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And this is just a tragic story. And nowhere in scripture do we ever come across this young man again. So as far as the Bible leads us, this man went on to spend eternity without God because he wouldn't give up the one thing that he was holding on to you. And maybe some of us would be like, that's crazy. You know, that's, this guy is an idiot. Why would he do this? Why would he hold on to money so strongly that he wouldn't come into the kingdom of God? God had such a plan for that young man's life. God had such a dream and a destiny for him. Why did he not give that up? But you know, honestly, a lot of us are just like that young man. A lot of us have things in our lives whether it's relationships or some things that we know that aren't pleasing to the Lord that God's been work us, working on us on for years, and we're kind of doing the same thing. We're kind of saying, you know, oh, I'm good, you know, uh, I, guess, I guess I'm not willing to make that step. I'm not willing to give that thing up. Whatever that is for you, whether that's a relationship that's not honoring God or some friendship circles or some choices or decisions you're making in your life and you know that God's working on you. And we judge the rich young ruler and we say, man, you're such an idiot. Why didn't you give up your money? But us, we hold on to relationships that are hurting us. We hang on to friendships. We hang on to things that we know we should give up just because we think we can't just can't give that up we're just afraid that that is our identity that is our status that is how we become happy and so we hold so tightly just because we're afraid to lose it we're afraid to give that up and we judge the rich young ruler but many of us are in the same boat tonight we do the exact same thing you know another reason why we have a hard time giving things up is that we're just simply addicted You know, and that could be literally, it could be alcohol or substance or popping pills. It could be that. It could be you're addicted to an abusive relationship. It could be that you're addicted to a friendship of friends that get you involved in the party scene that just messes up your life. We get addicted to things. You know, there's another story of a young woman. Again, a true story. She grew up her whole life. She just wanted to meet Prince Charming. That's all she wanted. And all she wanted was to grow up and meet this prince and get married and have a lot of money and live the american dream and have some kids that's all she wanted all of her life she just wanted to grow up and meet this perfect guy so she graduates from high school goes to college her junior year of college she meets this guy that's an amazing guy he's gorgeous he's everything that she ever wanted he treats her perfectly Um, just all the things on her list he was everything that she wanted So, after they graduate from college, they get married, and things are going good for a couple years. Things are great. And then one day, she comes home early from work and sees a car in the driveway that she doesn't recognize. Thanks, bro. Uh, And she, uh, and her husband is home, and he shouldn't be home, and she comes in to find that her husband is with another woman. Uh, So... This, she tries to make amends, she forgives, but he was just too attached to the other woman and it was game over and the relationship ended. So have, have you ever had a plan B before? Raise your hands, anybody had a plan B? I know some of us can relate to that. You had a dream or a goal or desire that you're reaching towards and then it just shatters in your face and it's ripped away from you and you're like, oh, maybe, maybe there's a plan B. So plan B comes along, and you know, she goes ahead and moves back to her hometown to be near her parents, and she meets another guy. He doesn't have quite as much money. He's not quite as good looking, but you know he's a gentleman, and, and he's great. And so she thinks, wow, maybe, maybe plan B will work. My initial dream in life didn't happen, so maybe this will work. And so they start dating and end up getting married, and all of a sudden she's happy again. Everything's going great, and they're married for a year or so, and they decide that they want to start having to try to have a kid, um, but then they can't get pregnant. And in this culture, it's usually always the woman's fault. And so this man, uh, out of manly respect and his culture, he decides to divorce this woman because they can't have kids. So now she's tried plan A. She's tried plan B. She's back to being alone again. She meets another guy. And he's a jerk. This is a true story, again. And he's a jerk. He's abusive. He beats on her a little bit. Her parents don't want anything to do with them. But she thinks, maybe this will fill that void in my heart that I'm looking for. And so she gets in this relationship a third time. And they actually do end up getting pregnant and they have a kid and everything's going great and four or five years go by, but this abusive tendencies come back and he starts beating on her and beating on the kid. And so she has to leave the third guy because of the abuse. So she's now been in three relationships that have ended in tragedy. A few more years go by and this lady is barely hanging on and she meets another guy and he reminds her, of her first husband. You know, he's a great guy, handsome, respectful. And so they get married, and yet again, she gets cheated on a fourth time, and he walks out. Finally, (laughs) this lady gets to... Another time around, and she starts hanging out in the club scene and the bar scene because by now she has no self esteem, she has no worth. You know, nobody's gonna want to be with her. And she finally meets a guy in a bar, and they start sleeping around and everything. And so she decides and tells this guy, Let's just shack up, let's just live together. I'll come live in your house, and we'll just live together because we ain't getting married. You know, I've <laughs> been through that four times. I don't want to do that again. And so she's living with this guy, and she decides one day that she needs to go grocery shopping. She's going to go down to Target and get some bottled water. And this is where we pick up the story in Scripture. So if you'll open up your Bible to John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verse 10. And again, I think a lot of us can relate to this story. Uh, if you've ever been hurt, if you've ever been stabbed in the back, if you've ever been broken, then you know where this lady's coming from. This is John 4, uh, verse 10. So she runs into this guy at Target, if you want to call it that, looking for water. And, and this guy is Jesus, and he has some advice for her. So John 4, verse 10 says this, uh, Jesus answered her, uh, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that ask you for a drink, You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Verse 15. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't go thirsty. So, you know, that would be great if you could find a bottle of water that, you know, that's what she's literally thinking. You know, if I could just get some Fiji water or something that I'll never be thirsty again, that'll be awesome. Obviously, Jesus is talking about something else. So she says, sir, I'd love this water uh, so I don't have to keep coming here to get water. Uh, He told her, go, call your husband and come back. Ouch. Verse 17. I have no husband, she replied Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. Uh, What you've just said is quite true. So we're going to skip down to verse 28 uh, through 30, and this is the lady's response to all of this. And this is kind of a happy ending here. It says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. You know, I just want to say this. This lady was searching for something, and she couldn't find it in sex. She couldn't find it in relationships. She tried so hard to find this thing that would make her happy, this thing. And it's interesting that we talked about hunger uh, during the transition in prayer. She was hungry for something. She was thirsty for something. She wanted so badly to find that happiness and that fulfillment. And so she went from the arms of one guy to the next, looking for true love, looking for contentment, looking for happiness, looking for a destiny and she never found it and you know I want to be bold tonight I'd say there's a lot of us tonight that go from thing to thing looking for happiness and and we try this and so we try more of this and this doesn't do it we try relationships and that doesn't do it and we just end up broken and in a tragic situation over and over again And we just think, you know, if I could just get this one thing, whether it's a new car or a new house, or if I just land this job, then I'll be happy. Or if I get in this relationship, then I'll be happy. If I do this, I'll be happy. You know, when I was in the fourth grade, I, wanted, I asked my parents every day for like six months for Christmas for a bike. I wanted a bike so bad. And that was the thing like I longed for. I asked my parents every day, can I have a bike, can I have a bike, can I have a bike? And so Christmas Day Came along and I opened up some gifts, and then finally I went over and my dad wheeled in the bike that he had put together, and it had the bow, and it was perfect. Everything. As a fourth grader, I should have been thrilled. And you know, it's human nature. You know, the first thought that came through my mind when I got on my bike? I really need a stereo. <laughs> really, that was literally, I need a stereo. You know, I had spent half a year hoping and wishing and praying. And as soon as I got what I wanted, I wanted something else. Isn't that kind of human nature? And we search for things and we look for things, whether it's relationships, whether it's money or sex or whatever, or status or popularity or the perfect job. And then we finally reach what we want and find out it wasn't really what we were looking for. You know, we all have this God factor, is what I call it, on the inside of us. And it's a deep chasm that nothing can fill, you know, and we can try sex, and that's not going to fulfill it. Money isn't going to fill it. Friends, status, the party scene, that isn't going to fulfill it. There's only one person that can fulfill that, and his name is Jesus, and Jesus wants to fill that void in your, in your life tonight. The last thing, the last reason I think why we hold on to things in our lives is that we're just simply ashamed. We're kind of like the woman at the well. We feel like I've gone too far. I've done too much. There's no way that Jesus can forgive me. You know, maybe some of you are in this room and you think you did things last night that you're like, man, I hope they don't find out about. Um, And you're sitting here thinking, man, that would be great if Jesus could forgive me. That would be great if I could get that kind of grace and I can exchange the brokenness and the hurt and the pain in my life. That would be wonderful. But you don't know me. You don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know my past. You don't, there's no way God could forgive a person like me. You know, when I was in, as a kid growing up, I grew up in church, and we sang this song in Sunday school. And if you know, you can sing along it's about a guy named Zacchaeus. Raise your hand if you've ever heard the song about Zacchaeus. And if you didn't grow up in church or Sunday school, I will fill in the blanks. But it was this nice Christian song about this vertically challenged little man. And it goes, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted. There's motions. And da da something. Jesus came by, and then he said, somebody, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm coming to your house for tea. That's how I learned it. I always, and my wife was like, no, it's I'm coming to your house today, not for tea. They're not like British, like, hey, old chap, you know, let's have some tea. So we have this really nice story about Zacchaeus being this fat guy, vertically challenged like myself, uh, very short. He has to climb up in a tree because he's just a nice guy. You know, but that is really not the way it was. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and I don't know if you know a lot about that. He was a gangbanger. Like if we saw him in real life, he'd have gang tats all over him. He, seriously, seriously, he ripped off poor people to make money. Sometimes by force. So Zacchaeus was not this wee little man uh, that we made him out to be. Zacchaeus was a thug. And so we think of Zacchaeus, oh, he was a wee little man that climbed up in the tree. He was a thug. He was a thug. And Jesus, and we're going to pick up the story in Luke 19. And I just want to read it. If you've never read it, I mean, it's great. And you should learn the song. I'm sure you can find it online. It'll change your life. It's, I think it's literally called Zacchaeus was a wee little man, <laughs> a wee little man. All right, and we're just about to finish. Just hang on with me. Luke 19, and let's just look at this. So the people, the, Jew, the Jews of this time, they hated tax collectors. They were the scum. These were the people that were messing up their neighborhoods. These were the people that would rip off Old people that would rip off people that were poor and they couldn't feed their kids because this rich guy was stealing and extorting from them. This Zacchaeus was not a good guy. And sometimes we take these Bible stories and make them all Sunday schoolish, but that's not, this Zacchaeus really was a gangbanger. So we're in Luke 19, verse 1. It says, I'm going to read it quickly. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector. So he wasn't just uh, a small one. He was one of the leaders, uh, and he was very wealthy because he'd been ripping people off. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. So look at this. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. So they're saying, Zacchaeus is a thug. What is he doing going to hang out with a gang member? What is he doing? If if Jesus is going to go to anybody's house, if he's going to have grace on anybody, Zacchaeus does not deserve it. Zacchaeus is stealing my money so I can't even feed my daughter. Zacchaeus is doing all these things. So if anyone would not be able to receive God's grace. It should be Zacchaeus. Um, So let's see how Zacchaeus responds. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. If if the band, if they wouldn't mind coming, and if you guys just want to go back into that song we did during the prayer time, that would be awesome. You know, if anyone didn't deserve God's grace, it was Zacchaeus. If anyone had sinned, had messed up, had cheated some some people, I mean, think about maybe your grandmother, and think about somebody taking advantage of them and taking their social security check or their money. That's the kind of guy that Zacchaeus was. If anybody was undeserving of God's grace, it was Zacchaeus. And in the midst of this, Jesus came to him and said, not only uh, am I going to forgive you, but I'm going to come over to your place and hang out with you. And I love, love, love Zacchaeus' response, because Zacchaeus says, right there in front of everybody, he says, Lord, if I've ripped anybody off, I'll pay him back. I will get this area of my life right, right now. And you know, I just want to say this, God God demands a response. Zacchaeus could have said, okay, yeah, let's eat, and then continued to do the things that he did. But instead, he responded immediately. When God showed him things in his heart, and in his life that he needed to respond to, he responded right away. And the Bible says, Jesus said, salvation came to this house. Zacchaeus came into a relationship with God right there in the middle of the street because when God convicted him, when he realized that Jesus would have grace on somebody like him, he said, yeah, if that's, that is very good news. And, and I'm in. I'm in. And you know, tonight, if you guys just want to play quietly and we'll get into this, um, I just want to say one last story. Maybe you're here and God's been tugging on your heart the whole time I've been preaching that you have an area or a situation or something that you haven't surrendered to him. I want to tell one last story and maybe this will relate to you. Imagine yourself in the World Series and if you hate baseball, just humor me. (laughs) So pretend you're, you're a pitcher in baseball and Jesus is the catcher. If you know anything about baseball, a catcher is actually the leader of the team. The catcher calls the pitches. And so you're on uh, the mound, and you're pitching, and Jesus is there, and he's calling the shots, but you're not listening. And so so you're looking at the catcher, and he, like, puts a finger down. I want a curveball. And you're like, no, I'm going to throw a fastball. And you wind up and throw it, and the guy knocks it out of the park. You're like, man. Okay, okay. And so you line up again to pitch a pitch, and you know, he says fastball, and you throw a slider, and it gets knocked out of the park, and again... And again, you're getting your tail kicked in life because you won't listen and your catcher is trying to give you directions. He's doing everything he can. He's saying, you know, I can help you with this. We can get this straightened out. I can forgive you. I can give you all the grace and all the love and all the forgiveness that you need. But sometimes we are like that pitcher, and we just say, no, I'm good. I'm gonna keep doing it my way. And we go through life tragedy after tragedy when Jesus has something better you know I wanna pray for you tonight and I'm not gonna make you come forward. I'm not gonna make you raise your hand but I'm just gonna pray for you and then can we go back into that chorus and Matt, is that cool if we go back into that chorus? We're gonna go back into that chorus and I hope after I pray, we're gonna stand up and go back into the song and if that's you or maybe if it's not but something I said connected, I just encourage you to stand up and you worship the Lord with all your heart and as we worship, you have a conversation with God. You guys are adults. You don't need a pastor or a counselor to talk you through this. You can do this yourself. As we begin worshiping, I want you to, you lay out your heart to God. You talk to him about the areas that maybe you're struggling in, the areas that you're confused about, the areas that you've been holding on to and calling the pitches. And let him speak to your heart. Let him help you to surrender that tonight. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God. Thank you for this time. Thank you for these st- students and young adults who love you, who care about you. And Lord, I know there's night. there's plenty of people, probably if I'm honest, even me, I have areas in my life from time to time that maybe aren't what they should be. And Lord, we want to surrender tonight. We don't want to go another day holding on to the trash and the garbage and the things that are holding us back. Jesus, your word says, forgetting those things in the past, we press on to what's ahead Lord, we we let aside all the things that are sinful, all the things that are weighing us down in our relationship with you, God. We throw those aside. We cast those aside tonight, Lord Jesus. And we say that tonight we're running the race to win, to get closer to you, to have freedom, to live the way that you've called us to. Tonight is a night of freedom. In Jesus' name. I want you guys to stand up all over the house as we enter into worship. And you worship God. You do business with God as we go back into this chorus.
0: The Word of God. So, as our ushers prepare, I want to ask, because this is our custom around here, to get back to those who have deposited to us. So you can remain standing, or if you need to turn back to get something in your purse or whatever it may be. I just want to ask that you'd be generous tonight. And this again just goes to Joey and his family as they continue this ministry endeavor. We just want to bless them as they go out tonight, uh, because this is a true man of God who's truly seeking after God's will and wanting more than anything just to be obedient. So, if you're blessed by tonight. I know you were. Be generous tonight in your giving. So, ushers, if you guys will come forward, I'll pray and uh, give back to these awesome guys. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for how you've met us, for how you've spoken to us. We thank you, God, that we have the freedom to come to you. God, that the, the separation, the curtain has been torn and we can worship you freely. We have access to you. We thank you for that. And we ask, God, that we would walk out of this place, changed people, God, that your word that has been spoken tonight would just continue to resonate, continue to work in us. And God, as Joey and his family leave this place, if you would continue to bless their endeavors, continue to bless their obedience, continue to open up strategic doors for him, God, to, to continue, God, to fulfill the plans, the assignment that you have given. Lord, we thank you for this evening, and we ask that you would go with us the rest of this, rest of tonight, the rest of this week, and God, that we would honor you with our lives and that we would not keep any doors closed. And God, that we would just allow you to have your way in every single capacity of our lives. We thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray,
2: amen.